This is Meet My Followers, episode number 38 for September 27, 2010. I am your host, Kate Dworkin, and this is the podcast where I interview my actual Twitter followers. Today's guest is Katie Brooks at Cregan B. Once again, I have to thank this show's sponsor, Solvate. As you guys have heard in the previous episodes of Meet My Followers, Solvate is building an amazing on-demand workforce. If you're a consultant, freelancer, or contractor, come join me and the other top independent professionals on the platform. You can create your profile in the Solvate Talent Engine by simply heading over to Solvate.com. Continuing through the small little community of folks who uh, have been applying to be shirt wearers on Jason Sadler's I Wear Your Shirt, I've been joined by another applicant, Katie Brooks. Katie, thank you for coming on the show. No problem. Glad to be here. Well, one of the things that I love to do is just let my guests introduce themselves. So would you mind doing so? Yeah, my name's Katie, and I currently live in Tallahassee, Florida. I'm a graduate student at Florida State. Um, I'm actually from Missouri. I grew up in Springfield, went to school in Kansas City, and have relocated to the Florida area um, for school, essentially, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm ready for some fall weather, though. People keep telling me it's going to get cool, but I don't see it yet. Yeah, you won't see it in the same way you would have in, in Missouri. So, you know, we're still feeling it out here in Arizona. It's 100 and I think, 6 today. So, oh, yeah, it, it's getting to the point where I think we're going to see uh, triple digits into October, and that's no fun. That's not that's not our fall. That's not why people snowboard <laughs> here. But not at all. Talk to me about uh, the the graduate school program. I mean, obviously there was something that you're studying there, something some kind of draw down to Tallahassee. So, uh, you know, what are you studying, and 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 why that area? Yeah. Um, well, my undergraduate degree is in rhetoric and political communication, um, with a second major in applied critical thought and inquiry, which is a big mouthful, but pretty much I like rhetoric and speech and um, communication. So after I graduated, I um, worked for this company called Lead America, which I've worked for for the past four years, and I chaperoned a group of high school students to Italy and Greece over the summer, which was fabulous, except I kind of didn't do the whole search for a real job bit. (laughs) So when I came back in August, I moved to Florida with my boyfriend, who was beginning law school. Kind of took last year to figure out what it was. I should do with myself and decided to go back to school. So I was in the area and Florida State had a really good program um, that kind of drew me in. I looked at a couple schools in the area, but I'm getting my master's in media and communication studies with a graduate certificate in digital video production. So it kind of encompassed everything I was interested in because I had debated film school just by itself versus a master's in this I get a little bit of both, so it's nice. Um, it's a small program. The school's huge compared to my undergrad, which had an enrollment of 1,300, so <laughs> it's nice. I'm getting you know, the whole other college experience. <laughs> yeah, and, and in the process, learning a great skill set that you can have for the rest of your life. I mean, media production is something that I think is, is something that so many more people should be throwing into their studies as they come through. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you obviously see it in your studies now. You know, you see the content that, that is out there on the web, and, and you're taking part in creating some here with me. So, you know, yeah. it, it's definitely a great uh, bit there. But um, one of the other things that, that's in my brief research about you <laughs> is uh, that I saw that, that you 
you know, claim to be an amateur chef. Talk to me about your, your passion oh. for food. <laughs> yeah, well, um, in college, when I moved into the house, you know, a house out of the dorms uh, as a junior, I, you know, you kind of hit the reality of you have to feed yourself. There's no more cafeteria. And so I kind of started playing around and then would have, you know, everybody come over and try what I've made. And usually it was fairly successful. And just I've kind of continued that. Last year, um, I was a substitute teacher in Jacksonville. And so often I would School starts at 7.30 and we get out at 1.30 and so I would have a lot of free time in the afternoon. I just started uh, kind of cooking things. So I I like uh, following food blogs. I get a lot of ideas from the internet and also um, different magazines, food and wine, taste of home, that kind of thing. So it's kind of fun. Um, I'm more into like hearty pasta meals and not always the healthier stuff, but I think that's fine because it tastes better. <laughs> hey, so long as you're, you're making other people happy and you're using food as a function of community, like you're going to have my support no matter what it is. You could be making right. ice cream <laughs> and beer and serving that and then that'd be good by me because you know, you're, yeah. bringing, you're bringing that family mentality to folks who may not have it because they've relocated or they're just not immediately accessible to their family. So good yeah. on you. That's kind of one of the things I like that I think you know, no matter what you're into – Everybody, for the most part, likes food, and so it's kind of a thing that brings people together, which is nice. Well, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've always liked to ask people kind of what their passions are in life, away from kind of the work-life stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I would love to hear what some of those things are for you. Um, okay. Actually, I can list probably uh -oh. five <laughs> extreme passions. Um, one would be traveling. I lived in Ireland when I was a sophomore in college for six months, and that kind of, I don't know if it started it, but it definitely enhanced my love for it, and if I could, you know, work for the Travel Channel, and all I did was travel, that'd be fabulous. Okay. Uh, number two is soccer. I actually went to the small school I did because they had a nationally ranked soccer program, and I knew that's how I wanted to pay for my schooling, and although, you know, I can't play for real now, there's old people leagues. <laughs> Fun. Um, third would be cooking, which we've already touched yeah. on. Fourth would be uh, actually sewing, which, I mean, anybody who's known me growing up would be a big surprise. Again, last year I had a lot of free time in the afternoons and randomly took a sewing class and now I sew a lot of things. <laughs> so talk, talk to me real quick about that because that's a, that's something that, that I have never talked to anyone on the show about. So right. you know, is it is it just, hey, you know, uh, you can fix random things or are you actually out there, you know, making, you know, um, your own items? Yeah, it's, a, it's mostly making things or um, remaking things for the most part. The thing is, at first, it was kind of weird for me to tell people because when I initially think of sewing, I picture like Little House on the Prairie, you know, old school, hand sewing, whatever. And yeah, I just got over that and whatever. I'm proud to talk about it. So um, I started sewing aprons and I kind of sell those on the side, which, <laughs> you know, incorporating the cooking and the sewing all together. Um, I like to take old or, you know, vintage dresses and usually shorten them, hem them some, or redo different parts on them to make them more, you know, 20th century, 21st century wearable. So just that kind of stuff. Um, mostly experimenting, playing with stuff, but it's something that I can just do and not think about anything else or, you know, watch episodes of something that I 
have it in a while, just like a veg out kind of thing. Sure. It's, it's, a, it's an opportunity for you to multitask mindlessly. Right. right. Gotcha. And so that would be number four, I think. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last thing, it, which I guess is kind of incorporated into maybe a little bit of job slash school slash what I'd like to do is um, video editing. But that's like in my previous life, I've only done it for fun um, and or school projects. Sure. So sure, yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a hey, you're getting paid to do this thing. It was a personal. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, right now you've opened up these opportunities for me to talk about, you know, these five other things. We've talked about two now, but let's let's roll back to one that is a personal passion of mine, despite the fact that I never played the game. Soccer. Uh, uh, yes. So, I mean, you know, talk to me. Are you, you know, just are you an MLS fan? Are you an EPL fan? Are you a La Liga fan? Or is it just, hey, you do it because you you love playing the game? Um, I do it because I love playing the game. I was the kid growing up that, you know, once I hit about middle school and high school, I was every other weekend I was at a soccer tournament, and I have to credit my parents to that because. I, Springfield, Missouri, by the way, is not a soccer hotspot. So I played on teams in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in Kansas City, and in St. Louis. So even during the week, we would spend a lot of times or a lot of evenings driving back and forth, maybe to Tulsa, for instance, for a two-hour practice. Which you know, I mean, is crazy. That's one of those things that if you don't really understand, you know, if you don't, that's not what your kid does. You think the parents are crazy, and maybe it was, but it paid for my college, and it made me a lot of who I am today. So, long story short, it's a lot about a love for the game. Obviously, I can get into the World Cup. I'm a Kansas City Wizards fan because Kansas City, and not so much EPL, although I do watch my friends are big Chelsea fans, so, you know, I get pulled into that sometimes. Um, I was a big fan of the women's league and now there's a smaller league. I actually can't remember the name, which is bad, but sometimes I'll watch that. But more so it's just, I like, you know, I've been to Florida state games just cause I like going to watch and I like to see sure. people having that college soccer experience. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, as someone who, who did that, you know, uh, you were a collegiate athlete. I mean, you played yeah. at, at, at this college and, and so that's a different experience for the, the, the 99% of people who go to college. Right. Right. So right. Talk to me a little bit about that experience because, you know, as someone who was literally days away from helping out Arizona state's baseball team on a couple of levels, um, yeah. you know, I saw it from the outside, looking in real close with a <laughs> face pressed up against the glass. So talk to me about your experience with that. Oh, it's something I'm fiercely possessive and passionate and excited about. I don't know. I just think, everyone should have the opportunity and I think it's possible for everyone to have the opportunity to play at a collegiate level if they so choose because the thing is growing up I was super set on going to a big division one school I visited KU I went to soccer camp at Notre Dame I went and talked to University of Missouri and then my mom forced me the school I went to is called William Jewell it's a small liberal arts college um it's actually so small it's NAI division one because we weren't big enough to qualify for NCAA. Wow. So I went there and visited and I was like, this is it. I'm going here. And it turned out fabulous. I think one of the biggest things is, is that I started, you know, I, we, our season was in the fall. And so I started preseason two weeks before school started. So as a freshman, you know, I've been there for two weeks, all these other 
you know, a little freshman or moving into the dorms and know nothing. And, you know, I started with 20 built-in friends. We'd already been through two weeks of hell, you know, and experienced each other's worst almost and the best all in two weeks. And so I was like, oh, you don't know where the cafeteria is? I'm sorry. I'm a professional here on this campus. You know, (laughs) So it's just the whole level of, you know, confidence and that those people, you know, even the seniors that I came in as a freshman and played with, I can still call them up and talk to them and it would be like nothing. My best, I think there's a different level of relationship that you have with people that you literally, you know, train with and go on bus trips with and stay in hotels with and then have to, you know, make up tests with and just a different level that you know, relationships I don't quite have with other people. <laughs> well, it's a shared experience, right? And and yeah. it's always trying. And that's something that, you know, especially what most people don't understand about collegiate athletes is, you know, you miss, a, you know, I know for the Arizona State baseball team, they were missing about half of their classes. So yeah. you're missing all these lectures. You're stealing notes from anyone who could get to the <laughs> class. You're taking tests at random hours because you got to jump on a, a bus or a plane to right. go to the next game, and and you're going to be gone for four days. And yeah, you know it, it, it's really stressful. And to sit there, and then when you you add in the you know that's just the mental component, but then you add in the physical component of hey, you know you're constantly sitting next to the same ten people right. every day, <laughs> and those are the folks that you're you know interacting with and they're the ones who know your days and your good days and your bad and And if it's rough at all like you're gonna make it work because you know they're not going anywhere (laughs) yeah no yeah no there's there's a huge sense of family in most of these teams and uh and i don't know if that's something that is kind of created by the coaching staffs or that it's something that uh, the players do on their own because it's a survival mechanism because you don't want fighting in the locker room Right. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's partially just the nature because, I mean, I've seen teams that aren't as close or don't have the camaraderie, and I think they're more unsuccessful. And so, you know, partially, it's. I guess it's easier if you like each other to play together, which is one thing. And also, our coaches did a pretty fantastic job of creating that sense of family and encouraging it, which... Is good. <laughs> sure, of course, right? I mean, that's that's what you want. But I mean, at the end of the day, right? I look at it as this, right? At the collegiate level, right? There are less than a quarter of a percent, one quarter of one percent, that actually go on to play professionally. And right. So you know, most coaches, you know, especially in and you know NCAA football clubs, especially, sit there and really focus on you know winning and and not personal development, which. Yeah. I suspect when you have these family mentalities is kind of what happens is, hey, let's make this a great growing experience. This is a major change in your life anyways because you're away at college. But let's continue to kind of of build you up for the rest of your life and and hopefully grab some friendships along the way. Right. That's true. I mean, especially, you know, for a female soccer player, I think there's probably less than that chance that you said. And so it's it's really about – a being successful together as a team but also you know enjoying the shit out of the four years with these people that you spend all your time with yeah it's really special yes yeah oh go ahead one of the things that i love to uh, actually finish up these interviews with is by asking <laughs> my guests to shine the light on some of the people who they follow on twitter who they love their content for whatever reason ah okay 
Um, yes, I actually, when I listened to a couple, I was trying to think about who I would. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great because I've had a couple people jump on the show, right, sit there and say, you know, as soon as I start kind of the pre-interview stuff, say, I already know the five people I want to recommend. And through the course <laughs> of the interview, I've distracted them enough that they forget. And so is that the case for you or do you actually have like your set of people all ready to go? Um, well, I mean, I have a few people. Yeah. I would say, um, <laughs> One of the first people would be her Twitter handle is Starpulp. Her name's Stacy. She actually was one of my was one of my first friends in Jacksonville, like real, like I can call you and we can hang out friends. Um, once I moved there, and she's super big uh, social media club Jack. She works. She does all the media stuff for the arena, and so she was my first real maybe friend in Jacksonville and also friend on Twitter. <laughs> like, you know, the people that you have ongoing at conversations with. And so I, every time, I don't know, whenever, you know, I see her and I, she tweets a lot, it's just makes me think of that, which is a nice warm feeling. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, star pulp would be the, you know, one of them. Uh, next, uh, a more recent fun follow is Shutterbean, And that's actually one of the blogs I follow. It's a food blog. And she, uh, one of the reasons I like it is because she takes good pictures. So even maybe, you know, it's not a recipe that I would necessarily be interested in, but the pictures make it look so good. And so she's always Twittering or tweeting neat, you know, recipes or food things to go look at. So it's kind of like an obsession follow, I guess. <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? I mean, if, if you're getting great content and especially great food photography, which is some of the hardest stuff to do. Right, right. <laughs> I can understand why it'd be a draw. Yeah. Um, and next one is Chris Gilbo. And he is, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He started the website, The Art of Nonconformity. Um, he's really big into living the unorthodox life. He pretty much travels for a living, which, as I've mentioned, is, you know, yeah. I can do that. And anyway, he's always, I don't know, he's always traveling and tweeting about it and where he is. And he's on a book tour right now that's where it's totally not an uh, organized in the way of like your publisher or his agents doing it. He's just meeting up in towns all over at predetermined coffee shops and houses and, you know, businesses, people are hosting him and it's really cool and something no one's ever done before. And so I like following that because, you know, sort of an inspiration kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the art of nonconformity has been in my reader for probably 18 months now. So I, I've, I've loved getting his updates every day about what he's doing and where he's at. And, and with the release of his new book, it's, it's definitely an exciting time to be following him. Right. It's almost kind of like a jealous thing, too, though. I, sometimes I just I'm like, I didn't really need to see that you're doing this awesome <laughs> thing wherever. <laughs> But so, no, no, use that as, a, as an opportunity to, to spur you on to getting into a situation where you can do those kinds of things. Yeah, that's true, right? Turn Absolutely. it around. <laughs> that's good. Um, all right, I'll do two more. Okay. One, although this might be sort of controversial, is um, I like Bill Maher. And he doesn't actually tweet that often, but when he does, it's Worst pretty thing. funny. It. <laughs> it's When he's not tweeting, you know, like information, it's more pretty hilarious quotes or ideas, etc. <laughs> so, and my last one, I guess will have to be pretty good, huh? No, you could make it interesting. Make it somebody who's, you know, folks don't know. I mean, that's that's the idea of this segment of the show. Yeah. Well, okay. Um it, people, okay. I was going to try and end better than this, but no. I can't. <laughs> so, okay. 
someone, pe- I mean, obviously lots of people know, but uh, Rain Wilson from The Office, he plays Dwight. Mm-hmm. I started following him probably about a year ago after I stumbled upon his website called Soul Pancake. Okay. And he pretty much, it's like a creative forum for people to, dis- I can't remember, he has a good tagline for it, but it's a creative forum for people to discuss um, like the questions of life kind of in more of a creative manner, like, you know, I don't know. I can't think of a good example, but interesting stuff. And so, uh, he posts fun pictures and he posts things from his website and also little sometimes clips or photos from, you know, the office sets or shooting days. So I, I like that just because it's fun. Well, he's, he's, you know, it's, it's an intellectual banter with creative tones. Yeah. And at the same time, he's giving you a little sneak peeks into, you know, the, the office production, which is always fun. Yeah, which makes you feel like you're kind of a part of it. Yeah. You can have a little sliver. Absolutely, right? <laughs> You've snuck on the set for, for five minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this episode of the show. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed this. Well, that pretty much finishes up this episode of Meet My Followers. Please follow Katie. That's at Cregan B. Head on over to IWearYourShirt.com slash hiring. Find her video, rate, and comment that up because uh, I think that she could be a great shirt wearer. And uh, follow her because I think that she's going to be doing something pretty interesting here with uh, the, the skills that she's grabbing from her master's program. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I do appreciate it, and I hope to see you back tomorrow. Go out there and have a great day.